You're listening to the 9 a.m. Sunday School Class, led by Pastor Greg Voorhees, Shenandoah Valley Baptist Church, Sunday, November 26, 2023. For more information about SVBC, you can visit their website, svbcfamily.com, or you can find them on all things social at svbcfamily. Alrighty, let's pray, then we'll pick up where we left off. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Lord, we just thank you for this time. Lord, as we finish up our study this week or next week, we just thank you for the lessons that we've learned. God, and we just ask that you continue to use us to make us and shape us in the likeness of Christ, we pray. Amen. All righty. Where we left off last week was question five. Um, you know, we were talking about what our response would be to if Jesus asked us to take off with no provisions. Uh, so number six says this. What kinds of things do you think Nicodemus missed out on by not following when others did? Like him, in what ways are you trying to do life in your own strength and in your own way? So let's, let's look at that first part first. What, what do you think are some of the things that Nicodemus may have missed out on, do you think, by, by not immediately responding to, to Jesus, his conversation with Jesus about needing to be born again? If, if, he, had, if, if he had stepped up right then and there, you know, what are some of the things, what do you think are some of the things that he would have seen or some of the things that, that, that he may have been part of that he missed out on? Oh yeah, he would have seen a lot more miracles, that's for sure. Next, the only the only ones that he got to see is, you know, the ones that were happening right there where he was, you know, where he was located in Jerusalem. Jesus was healing people all over the place. You're absolutely right. Any other suggestions, things you think he may have missed out on? I think the thing that jumps out at me is he, he really missed an opportunity to have a very intimate relationship with Christ himself. He, you know, Nicodemus, and mind you, like I said, I've, I've said ever since I've been here, you know, I believe the evidence is there that Nicodemus did become a believer, again, because he would not have asked he would not have gone with Joseph of Arimathea to ask for the body of Christ, because I mean that would have been the end of his career. You know, so I, so this decision of this decision of following Christ probably did ultimately cost him his career anyway. You know, but what he would have missed out on, what if, what if he would have followed Christ as he went from place to place? You, you, you know the. I would have really, really enjoyed seeing things like the Sermon on the Mount. You know, that would have been that would have been amazing. I, I, I can't even I can't even in my wildest you know imagination think what it would be like to be sitting on on the side of the hill as Jesus delivers the most well known sermon in the history of the world. <laughs> you, you know, where basically he lays out and explains you know the Old Testament. He, you know, in, in, in a context that was that, that was real, not just not just the way it maybe had been taught, but the, what, the way it was intended. That would be just like, you know, the only other thing, the only other thing that I could think of, the only other thing I may have wanted to see even more than that would have been the, you know, the road to Emmaus when he, when he's when he's walking along with the two folks, he had no idea who he is at the time. And he lays out the entire Old Testament. You know how he's 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 how he was. It all pointed to him. He, you know that to me. And I guess I guess for me that would have been even a little more exciting because I could only imagine writing that down. <laughs> you know, you you want to talk that that would, that would have to. He would have had to have explained to them a volume of of. of, of Books basically, and you know how he was so intricately imposed in the in the Old Testament, how it all pointed to him. But the thing that the disciples and, and the people who followed them 
Oh, the, the thing that they missed out on, and I think this would have been the case with Nicodemus, the campfires with Jesus. You know, the, the thing that I like most about camping, it's been a long time since I've been camping because Sue and I both, we sleep on the ground, we hurt for like three days. You know, so, the, so it's been a while since we've been camping. But the thing I miss about camping, where I saw this when I was a Royal Ranger chaplain at Bethel, and they had the big camp outs, and I would go and do a devotional and hang out with the guys, or or it, it, it opened door when I did uh, apple butter, and all day long we're just all standing around the fire stirring apple butter. You, you know, you really you really get to know people in, in these moments. You know, not not just what they do or what they're called to do, or 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 maybe learn the cool things that they've seen or done or been a part of. You, you, you really get to know them. Because that's, that's when the guards come down. That's when everybody's the same. That's, that, that's when... So Nicodemus would have missed out on, on the campfires. He, you, know, the, he, you know, while they're keeping warm, just, just sitting around and, and, and eating together. He, you know, a big part of Jewish culture it was this this thing of breaking bread together. I mean, it's important to us too, but I mean, it was really huge in in, in the you know in the Hebrew culture. I mean, I mean that was like you know your Shabbat dinner. So you know that that was a big thing, having people come over and share Shabbat meals with you. Or, or there's a reason that you know some of Jesus' imagery, you know, when he's talking about in the future having a big big table in his father's house, and you know all of us will come. And, and enjoy, he, you know. So this, you know, Nicodemus would have missed out on these 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 very close, intimate moments with Christ. He he would have gotten to have seen things that just that just blow me away. Uh, I mean, because when you look at when you look at John, I'm not saying he would have been in this this inner group, but if you look at John, Andrew, and Peter, you know, they even knew him just a little bit better. <laughs> he, you know. Who knows? He 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 could have been possibly maybe that fourth person in that that core group, you know. But what he what Nicodemus did is he spent his entire life learning about Yahweh, and he spent his entire life, his adult life, you know, teaching other people about God. And and he Jesus had, had addressed him as the teacher of Israel. So he would have been a teacher of teachers, you know, a rabbi of rabbis. So he spent his entire life after the academic pursuit of, of knowing God. And and I'm sure that I'm sure that these academic these academic pursuits and, and all the ritual, it was I'm sure in his heart it was important. To you know, in his relationship and him wanting to be closer to you know to to God, but I would almost liken Nicodemus. Let's go back to the old Mary and Martha thing. You, you know, it, it, it's you could picture Nicodemus almost being like the Martha. He, you know, do do do. He, you know, do, you know, wanting everything to be just right, but with Mary sat at the feet of Christ. You know, those are, the, those are the moments I think Nicodemus could have been. It's all speculation. You know, there's no, you know, this is just, this is just a conversation, but, you know, he, he could have missed those moments of sitting at the, the feet of Christ. But I think that has an application even for us. You know, we can be very busy in the church. And, and, and Lord knows it doesn't matter, you know, what all we do in the church, there's more to be done in the church. You know, and that's all churches, you know. But you can be so busy in, in doing the work of ministry that, that you, you lose that, 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 that you know, why are you doing it in the first place? You know, can, can what we do in ministry and the stuff that we do in the church can it become almost like a dutiful act, like you would imagine? Nicodemus probably did a lot of things in a very dutiful, you know, fashion. You know, how often? And this is something pastors, you know, are terrible for. And it's not. It's not. I'm not saying this in a condemning way. It's just 
you know, you know pastors get so called up in the work because there's just always something to be done that, that, that you know, sometimes they miss that, those close moments of, you know, with Christ. You know, they might spend, you know, in, in homiletics class when I was going through seminary, they said that you should spend 20 hours a week on sermon preparation. You, you know, that's, that, that was their, you know, that's what they teach. You know, literally half of your time should be devoted to, you know, your sermon preparation. Well, okay, okay that, that's fine and dandy. Let's, let's say you're even a full-time pastor, you know, and I spent 20 hours doing that sermon. Well, what's all the st- cool stuff that full-time pastors get to do? You get to go to people's houses. You get to go visit hospitals. You get to have Bible studies. You get to, you get to do all these, these cool things because that's what you do. I mean, God, God's, you know, provided this way for you to do just that. Well, even... If, so if you do everything the way that the books tell you, the, the seminary tells you the ways things should be done, that really cuts out even devotional time, even in the pastor's life. You, you know that that's you know set, how often do we work, 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 and we miss the boat? You, you know we're doing all the right things for the right reasons, but we're really kind of falling short because we're we're forgetting why we're doing it in the first place. You know that that's. I, I think that I think probably anybody, and I'm not talking about just pastors. Anybody who's been in ministry for a long time, the, the people who are early in the ministry, you're young in their faith. They're the ones that get it right. I'll be honest. They're the ones that get it. You know, when I was when I was early in my faith. I was zealous and rambunctious, and I was ready to literally take on the entire world for Jesus, and I was convinced that I would be able to pull it off. You, you, you know, that's, 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 the, that, that's the new faith person. I, I think that's the same it's true when, you know, when, you were, when you're in ministry. You know, my first several ministries that I, that I started or led or even the first church, you know, I was convinced that, you know, I could, we, we, it was just going to become a mega church in a, in, a, in a matter of months, you know, and it's just, just but, but that's, that's when, when you're really plugged into that relationship with Christ. You, you, you dream big dreams, and you think big things, and you, and you strive for a closeness with Christ and depend on Him to come through for you. You know, sometimes I, I think that's where many, many churches, many, many pastors, many, many Sunday school teachers, many, many youth group leaders, where they start falling short is they, they, they become like Nicodemus. They do all the right stuff by the book. But, but if you're not connected, Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. You know, so it's when when leaders and teachers and pastors and just church folks in general, just believers, when, when you start just going through the motions and, and doing all the stuff the way that you've been taught or the way you think it needs to be done and you're not connected with the vine, if you're, you're not, if, you're not, if you're not connected with Christ, it just can't be done. And, and to be honest, what I think Nicodemus would have really missed out on is fullness in his life on this side of heaven. Could you imagine? We don't, we don't, see, we don't see Jesus ask Nicodemus, and he may not have. We don't see Jesus say, you know, follow me. You know, but what if he did? And he, and he accepted. Could you imagine the, the, the fullness in life that he would have lived? He, you know, and that, that's, I can't even wrap my head around that. I can't even wrap around my, head, my head around that, being, being so all in and, and making sure that, 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 that you see everything. You know, the Bible tells us that, that God can give us more than we could ever hope or imagine. You know, that's, that's, a, that's a God of endless resources. That's a God of endless blessing. That's a God of endless everything. And, and yet, you know, why, why are churches starving? Why are churches dying? Why, why is the, the, the Western church, the, the American church, shrinking? Why is it in places like, like England and, and, and 
France been dead for years. It's, it's because I think, I think maybe they were like Nicodemuses. I think maybe we too sometimes are like Nicodemuses. You, you, you know, we miss the fullness of what God wants for us because we just get so tied into the stuff and the nuts and the bolts of how it needs to be done. You know, the one thing I've, one of the things I've noticed, weddings are just such a perfect example of this. You know, I've done a lot of weddings over the years. Many of the rehearsals are terrible. You know, many of the rehearsals, you get through it and you think, oh my goodness, tomorrow or the next day, whenever it is, everything's going to crash and burn. You know, and then you get to the wedding and it always goes perfect. I mean, even the things that are sidetracked, you know, the kid, you know, running off with a ring, you know, it's just, everything's still perfect, though. Oh, that happens. <laughs> you, you, you know, but it's still perfectly. Why? Because we're just, they get focused in the moment. They get focused in the relationship. They get focused in, 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 in the, the glory of the moment of what's going on. And I think Nicodemus probably missed out on some of that. And I think, I think many churches miss out on that today. And it's, and I, I could see how that happens. You know, Nicodemus was in a high place. He was in a, he was in a high position. You know, you know, for him to follow Christ then there would have been almost like asking the disciples to go off with nothing. He, you know, he would have been given up a great, I mean, a great livelihood being taken care of. Uh, I mean, he, had, he would have had to give up the fancy rings and all the fancy clothes and, and all those things that kind of came with the job. But, but I tell you, it's, it, it's, it's, better, it's, it's better to spend one day in his courts than a thousand elsewhere. He, you know, Nicodemus could have just really, he, his life could have been mind-blowing. And it still may have been, you know, at some point, like I said, because I know we, like I said, I'm, I'm convinced he became a believer. But when I look at, when, when I look at, and here, this goes back to our, this goes back to our talks that we've had about, you know, Calvinism, predestination, and all these things. You know, and, you know, how much choice, how much does our choice play into it? And this is, this is swinging far to the left or far to the right. You know, this, 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 is, this is just meant to be thought-provoking, not intended to be scripture. What if Nicodemus could have been one of the 12? What if he could have been? What if he had answered? What if he'd responded? He, you know, that may not have been his call at all. You know, please don't, please don't say that I think this, is, this would have happened if Nicodemus. That's not what I'm saying. But when I think in the realm of possibilities, in the realm of, of, of where God takes us when we respond, you know, to him when he wants us to. What, what if he could have been one of the 12? His name, instead of being, you know, a very important part in Scripture, mind you, John chapter 3 is, is arguably probably one of the most important, you know, chapters in the entire Bible because Jesus just lays it out. You know, why he's here, how to be saved. I mean, he just lays it out. You know, so Nicodemus is not part of just a minuscule piece of history. I mean, he was still just that conversation that he had with Christ is probably one of the most important conversations that man has ever had with God. But could you imagine if, if you know, what if, what if Jesus had said, follow me, and he did? You know, maybe his name could have been written above one of the 12 gates in the New Jerusalem. Who knows? You know, is there a possibility that, you know, do we miss out? Do we miss out on God's fullness because we don't respond when he asks us to? I think there's a pretty good chance that we've all missed out on something because we didn't respond to God when he asked us to, whether it was because, you know, we felt the nudge by the Holy Spirit to do something and we talked ourselves out of it. Yeah, that's not the Holy Spirit. You know, that's just... That, that's, you know, that, that, that can't be God. That can't be God, what God's calling me to do. That can't be God, what, what he wants us to do. Where God gives you that nudge, you're like, I, ain't, I can't do that. You, you know, I, I think that happens a lot. 
You know, I can't, I can't, I can't witness to that person. I don't know that person. That's too scary. You know, God put a message on your heart to share with the church. You're like, oh, I ain't getting in front of people. You know, and that's that's a scary thing. You know, you know, I, I've seen people. I've been fortunate enough that God's let me speak in front of people enough that you know, for me, it's it's just what you do. But for somebody that has not been given those opportunities, I have seen people be almost paralyzed in fear when you put them in front of people. And, and what if they, they missed something? You know, God laid something on their heart to share, and they didn't because not even in the sermon, just, just to share in front of the body. You know, I, I, think we, I think we do sometimes miss those moments. I think Nicodemus could have potentially, again, this is all, this is all theoretical. You know, this is meant to be thought-provoking and to apply this to our lives. You know, I'm not making scriptural statements here. You know, but so, so I wonder how often, you know, that we, we've missed out, like Nicodemus could have possibly missed out by not following or responding to Christ when he did. This is like him, in what ways are you trying to do life in your own strength and in your own way? Can you think of, can you think of some way like Nicodemus... The, the, the whole thing there, sometimes I think that uh, you don't feel like you're good enough. And maybe Nicodemus, since being a Pharisee, lived by the laws and tried to do the law. He didn't feel that good enough to come to the you know I mean? when the others did. Yeah. And Oh, yeah. I've seen a lot of people in my life just, I can't do this. They quit. That's because they don't have that relationship. And I know there's in my life, there's been a lot of times I try things because I want God's favor. It, and wanting God's favor is a noble thing. Here's the beautiful thing about God, though: you've already got it. You don't have you don't have to do anything to earn it. You have God's favor. That's why. Oh yeah. And the reality is that that, that that is that is what religion is. You, you know, the, the difference between a relationship with Christ and a religion it is a religion is all the stuff we do to try to to reach God, to earn His favor, to do all the right stuff to make Him happy. Absolutely.
And, and I think that sense of worthiness that you, that you address, I, I think that's huge in, 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 in many, many ways. Because if there's ever been anything different about you when you were growing up as a child, like I was really, really fat. I mean, really, really fat until I started playing football in high school. The, the, your peers, the, your other kids, do nothing but send messages that you're not like us, you're not worthy, you're different, you're an outcast. The, the sometimes, unfortunately, even their families, you, you know, will, will send that same message. You know, because you behave in this way or you've done that, that, that you're no longer worthy to being part the and to be honest the, the the whole message of the world and keep in mind the world is satan's playground i mean it's his kingdom you know so any messages that come from the world are, are not good messages they they just aren't but what does what what does the one of the messages uh, that the world has 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 sent for many many years is that you are not good enough. You are not skinny enough. You are not pretty enough. You are not smart enough. You're not this enough. You're not that. You're not rich enough. You're not. The, the world is always sending us messages that you don't make it, that you don't meet the bar. Uh, I mean, that's. And, and so the whole world system, which again, Satan is, he's the captain of that ship. You know, so anytime you get these messages from the world, you know, they're meant to destroy you. They're meant to bring you down. They're meant to make you feel unworthy. And when you talk about a holy God and you look at what the world has told you you are and you look at everything you know about God, that would make you afraid to come to a place like this. That would make you afraid to approach a God like that. I mean, nobody nobody understood this more than Isaiah. He, you know, when he was confronted with the presence of God, he's like, "Oh, I'm I'm a, from a people of unclean lips." You, you know, it, it, it's you know the the people that God used in the biggest ways are the ones that really understood this, this this holiness of God. And people then get this idea that before I can approach God, I have to fix things. I have to do better. I have to, and that's one of the things that I think keep people from a relationship with Christ, or living in the fullness of life, because they, the world has convinced them, and it's now in their head, in their self-talk. Self-talk is a huge thing. That's something I really haven't talked a lot about here. But this, this self-talk, the stuff that goes on in your head, the stuff that you, know, you tell yourself about you, it is so diluted by the messages of the world that, that if you didn't understand the grace of Christ, you would not want to approach a holy God, and you would miss out. And, and the problem is, with, with so many churches, and I'm not, again, I'm not pointing the finger at any. I'm just talking about the church in general. My experience with, you know, with the church in general, the American church, you know, I can't I can't speak for the church universally because churches in different places are as different as night and day. Uh, I mean, you go into you go into a, you know Hispanic church and you know down in South America, and they're going to like you know squeeze your neck till your head pops off. You know, so I'm not talking. But but a lot of the Western churches or the or the first world churches, how often have they come in? Because you know, you could tell that they hadn't gone home from partying the night before, and you know they're all they look kind of look me, they look kind of like me, or, or the or the you know they're the person with the reputation, you know, and that's not a new thing, you know. What's what what was the Pharisees' deal, you know, with Jesus? You know, he's hanging out with sinners, he's hanging out with them people, he hangs out with tax collectors, he hangs out with. You know, so when these people that don't meet not Christ's standard, but the church's standard, when they walk through the back door, how often do they feel judged? What happens? Christ, he would just take what did the Pharisees 
It may very well have been. Nicodemus had to have been a very complex guy. You know, because, again, he was the teacher of Israel. He was the rabbi of rabbis. This, 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 the way he had taught God, the things that he'd always known and taught about God, it would have been, it would have been so important to him that it would have almost been like, like woven into his, his DNA. I mean, it's, that he would have been, he, he would have spoken the things that he spoke with great conviction about God. So now you get a guy who's caught your attention. That's the thing about Jesus. If you, if you've, I can't even imagine what it would have been like to have seen Jesus. Because just reading about Jesus forces us to make a decision about who he is and, and what, what he was here to do. Now picture that if you were Nicodemus. You, you know, everything, everything I'd ever thought about God. This guy is saying... We were missing the mark. You know, we've made it. We've made it. We've turned Judaism into a religion, and they did. It was all about the rules. It was all about the following the rules and doing. And mind you, rules are important. Rules are fences. Fences keep us safe. And to be honest, the rules that God has given us—that's really the only reason He even gave us those rules. There's those fences that keep us safe. But when you build your relationship on fences, <laughs> you, you know, you're, you're, again, you're missing the point. And now this Jesus guy, I mean, he had to have been interested enough or intrigued enough, you know, to, to literally, you know, meet Jesus in the middle of the night. You know, he, was, he, was, he certainly wasn't going to do it in the daylight. <laughs> you know, because that, again, that would have been, that probably would have been a career ender. Just talking. If you were Nicodemus talking to Jesus in the daylight in front of you know, members of the Sanhedrin, that might have been enough to finish you off right there. But what he was seeing, he you know, had to have challenged him. You know, what, what, what the Holy Spirit was doing had to have been stirring him in such a way that he was willing to put everything on the line to have this conversation. You know, so regardless of what that thing was that, that, that kept him from you know, jumping all in at that moment. You know, we don't know what that is. But I think we all have those moments. You know, whether it's worthiness or because Jesus doesn't fit the mold, we think, or because we, we, we we're so judgmental. You know, what, whatever this stuff is, these, these, these barriers. That's the difference between a fence and a barrier. You know, God puts fences around us to keep us safe, but we put barriers up between us and him. You, you know, these, these things like religion and, 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 and you know, being judgmental and, 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 you know, having little to no faith. But that's, but that's the beautiful thing, again, about a relationship with Christ. It's not religion. You don't have to... You know, if, if, if you're a pig in a pig pen, you don't have to take a bath before you come to church. You can come to church just as you are. If that church is following the heart of Christ. You, you know, I've seen a big culture shift here in the last year and a half. I've seen people look be comfortable looking like this, and that's huge. That's a blessing that, that, that you can come in here with a tie or, or, or a T-shirt and, and be welcome. You know that that's that's a that's a huge blessing. There are places that it's not like that. There are churches I've been to. If if I walked in in my jeans and my t-shirt, or this is probably the only church I've been to in years I hadn't worn shorts to during church. You know, so you know to dress like that. You know, you it, it puts up bears because we're so religious. You know. And again, clothes, clothing is, is such a trivial thing. You, you know, I love, and that's what I really love. I, I love diverse churches. You know, I love a church. And Victory was the same way where I came from. There are people in suits and ties. There are people in, in shorts and T-shirts. You, you know, that just blesses my heart. I like it. I, I, I love churches. 
where you've got white people and black people, brown people, red people, yellow people, all, all, all worshiping God in, in, in the same place with one heart and one accord. You, you know, that just, you know, that, that just, it's mind-boggling. And I've seen it. It happens. It works. I've seen it out there. And that, that's, that's, that's just, I think that's when we really, I think that's when we're really at the center of God's will. I think that's really when we're chasing the heart of Christ, when we can all be in one place, regardless of our histories, our backgrounds, our, our, our you know, economical status, you know, any of these things, regardless of our, our education or our job, and we come to one place to worship the same God, you know, in one one heart and one accord. Uh, I mean, that that's that's that, that is mind blowing stuff. But with this, continue with this. You know, what is in what ways are you trying to do life in your own strength and in your own way? Are there any planners in here? Somebody who really likes to plan, 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 plan. Yeah, absolutely. That that's again, we need planners. You know, we really do. But the uh, sometimes I wonder if in our plans that we're making those plans based on our own judgment and our own understanding. You know, and that's, God calls us to be good stewards. He calls us to be wise. He calls us, he, you know, he calls us to seek his word, to, to obtain that wisdom. But I, it, it's also, it's important that in our, in, in our lives that we don't fill up our planner so much. And this is something I'm guilty of. I'm more of a dreamer than a planner. I've got big ideas. You know, the planning part is where I'm not the best at. But the but I do get very busy. You know, when 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 you find yourself being so busy that you're missing devotional time or alone time with Christ, are you doing that in your own strength? Does God really call us to be that busy? I don't think he does. My 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 God placed such a high priority on rest that he he himself rested on the seventh day when he didn't need to. Took a took a day off. You got God took a day off in Genesis. Did all this cool stuff for six days and took a day off. So when you're like many of us myself included, sometimes when you get so, so, so busy, I think that we're trying to do it of our own strength and from our own understanding. But we're challenged, even in the Old Testament, to lean not on our own understanding. But in all your ways, acknowledge Him. You know, so it's... So it's the... uh, and doing things in their own strength. Maybe we need to just spend a little more time in prayer and a little less time trying to figure out how to do it ourselves. Number seven. Well, I guess we'll probably end here at seven. Read Isaiah 46, 3 through 4. Oh, that's not there. That's not there. God explicitly told his chosen people that he would carry them all the days of their lives. Actually, let's go ahead and read Isaiah 46, 3 through 4 first. Isaiah 46, 3 through 4. Forty-six. 
and it says it this way in the NIV. He says, listen to me, you descendants of Jacob, all the remnant of the people of Israel, you whom I have upheld since your birth and have carried you since you were born. Even to your old age and gray hairs, I am he. I am he who will sustain you. I have made you and I will carry you. I will sustain you and I will rescue you. That's, uh, that's, that's, that's deep. God explicitly told his chosen people that he would carry them all the days of their lives. Knowing about his past miracles and, and hearing his vow to remain with his chosen people, how should these verses inspire you moving forward? What we just read, how, how should it inspire you to move forward from here in what we just read in Isaiah? It should, I think it should inspire us because we know we're not doing it alone. In fact, it doesn't even just, that verse we just read, doesn't even say that simply that we're not doing it alone. It says, I will carry you. I will uphold you. I will rescue you. You, you know, we... This relationship and moving forward with a relationship with Christ in our lives, we should be inspired because it's 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 not up to you to, it's not on you to 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 be to do all the planning and the thinking to be a success. That we need to lean on Christ and to allow Him to carry us and to rescue us and to save us and to uphold us and all these things. You know, it's it, a relationship with Christ is like having this ginormous safety net that no matter what height you fall from, He still catches you. You know that that's that that should inspire us to be brave enough or strong enough to do just about anything God has called us to do, anything that He wants us to do, any anything that we feel led to do. We should be brave enough and strong enough to be able to step forward into that thing or into that relationship because we have a fail-safe behind us. We have that relationship where God promises to be the upholder and the rescuer. Oh, absolutely. In these words that he spoke to Isaiah, we have seen these this this flesh itself out in the real world. Even before Isaiah, we look at the Hebrew people in Egypt. That should have been enough to, to wipe them out. You, you know, they were given insurmountable tasks and built some of the wildest things that, you know, even some we still consider the wonders of the world but on, on, the, on, the, on the backs of the Hebrew people. You know, we, you know, going, going forward, Actually, you know, even before you get there, you know this this little small before this little small group of folks, you know, conquering the promised land. God asked them to do something absolutely impossible. That was the whole thing with Joshua and Caleb. Who say, "It's it's wonderful. It's the land of milk and honey. It's all this cool stuff." Uh, I mean, and everybody else is like, "Man, we're like grasshoppers. These guys, they're going to squish us." But God upheld them and strengthened them and, and gave them victories that were absolutely impossible. He, and He freed them from Egypt. He, you know, the 
being carried, the northern kingdoms being carried away by Syria and, and the southern kingdoms by Babylon and Babylon taking over the Assyrians and Babylon having everybody. Again, life under the Assyrians would have been, should have been enough to wipe them off of the face of the earth. I mean, this, the Assyrians, if you really look at them in history, are probably one of the, the ugliest group of people in the history of the world. They were just, like, I've talked about that up here. They would smash your babies right in front of you just to break your spirit. You know, it would scatter you and put people and other people in your land. That's the whole reason the, the Samaritans and the Jews hated each other because the Assyrians put foreigners in, 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 the, in the region of Samaria. And, uh, you, know, it's, you know, they should not have survived these things. You know what's even worse, actually, than the Assyrians and the Babylonians and even the Persians, or the Romans. You know, these were the guys that were, they were so tough that they were able to beat the baddest of the bad. <laughs> he, you know, to pretty much rule the known world. But he rescued them and upheld them through the, through the Roman Empire. You know, in our history, in a time where, where some of us were alive when, it, when they happened, the concentration camps with Hitler. You know, there was... How, how did anybody survive Oshawa? You know, how, how does anybody survive any of these camps? And what, what were they doing? You know, never really looked at history. You know, the, these concentration camps weren't just places to torture Jewish people. They were, Hitler was doing the same thing that Pharaoh was doing. He was using slave labor to rebuild antiquity. You know, Hitler was so fascinated with, with you know, the ways of Rome that, that he, was, he was forcing the Jewish people to mine marble and, and, and to build these, these incredible structures to try to rebuild what, you know, the, the, the things that looked like the, the Roman Empire. You know, but you know, how could they have survived? Only because Yahweh had the ability to uphold them and to strengthen them and to carry them through something that they should not have survived through. And that's the exact reason why, even now, even though the whole world is kind of pointing their finger at, at Israel and what they're con- the world is calling brutal attacks on these these poor people, he, you know, he's upheld them. And I haven't followed it this week because it's been, uh, it was kind of crazy. For I understand, didn't they, didn't they let some of the hostages go on Friday? I think they let what, 50, or, 50 or 60 hostages you know, go. You know, so God's even, even, even calling, restoring or, or taking back some of those that, have been, that were taken in the original attack. God has the ability to uphold and restore. And that's why we can move forward knowing that the same God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is the same God that upholds us and strengthens us and and, and gets us through the day, gets us through the year, gets us through life. It's the same God. Hebrews tells us Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He is not any less capable of upholding you and lifting you up and strengthening you than what he, he's not any less capable than he was as he's carried the Hebrew people through some of the most horrific events through the history of the world. No.
never underestimate the power of mamas in the history of the world. Another example just like that, and, and I know that I, I know that this is I know that this was this this character. Constantine, Emperor Constantine, Caesar Caesar Constantine, the emperor of, of the Roman world at the time. Before Constantine, it was illegal to be a Christian. I mean, it was not. It was illegal to be a Christian. Constantine, Emperor Constantine's mother, was a believer. And, and she urged him to to legalize um, Christianity. So he was going into battle, and he saw he saw what looked like what looked like a cross formation in the sky, and and, and Rome won this huge victory, and and he attributed that to to Christ. So, you know, Constantine's mother, who was, you know, who was a believer, you know, on him about this Christianity thing, not only did he legalize Christianity, Emperor Constantine made it the official religion of, of Rome. Of course, as soon as he was gone, it flipped again. But never, never underestimate the power of mamas, <laughs> you know, in the history of the world. Uh, I mean, they've, they, they've, you know, even if they themselves didn't have a voice, they speak to, they're close to the hearts of these people that are making these, these, these huge decisions in the world. You know, so but yeah, that would not surprise me at all. Cause, I mean, we've seen it in other places in history. All righty. Let's, uh, let's pray and then we'll get ready for church. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Lord, we just thank you for this time. Lord, we just, again, thank you for the study and the things that we've been talking about and these conversations we've been having. Lord, I just ask that, if anything else, that, that we honor you in, in, in our time here. God, make this, make this a time that pleases you and, and is constructive in the building this up in the likeness of Christ. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for constantly working in us to accomplish that goal. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.